You're listening to the voices behind Women's Cricket Chat. That's Hannah, Georgie, Cassie, Mahika and Alex. Coming up on today's podcast. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Women's Cricket Chat. I'm joined by the wonderful Mahika and we have got leg spinner, absolute supremo, hat-trick taker, Anisha Patel. Welcome to the pod, Anisha. Thanks for having me. I think that's sort of a stat that I've um, not heard for a while and probably forgotten about. I mean, to take a hat-trick is pretty special. So we might as well start with that. What was it like to take a hat-trick in the 29 T20 comp in the final? And did it make it that little bit sweeter that it was against your Midlands rivals, Nottinghamshire? I think that was actually a rain-reduced game. So I think the hat-trick was actually over another over. So I think at the time, teammates didn't really know. And then we sort of clocked on after after speaking to the coach as well. Did you realise you've got a hat-trick? I was like, oh, yeah, actually, yeah. I did, but always, yeah, always nice just to contribute. The short format of the game is always exciting and you sort of, as a leg spinner, I think you're always in the game regardless, so it's quite enjoyable. As you are a leg spinner (laughs) growing up, was there someone that you idolised when it came to spin or was it just, you know, watching your dad because we know that your dad also played cricket, so tell us a little bit about that. I think just generally when I was at school, I was quite sporty, so played football, Always with the ball at lunchtime, sort of playing whatever sport was going on. And I think when I started to play cricket, I actually didn't bowl leg spin when I was younger, uh, sort of just medium pace, seam, whatever you want to call it. But I remember trialling for Warwickshire. I think I must have been 11, 12, because we had one of the coaches come to do our PE lessons. And I trialled, and then within that winter, I then switched to leg spin. So I have to admit, I don't really remember it. I wish I did a little bit more, but there was just a bit of a transition. I think leg spin, like... It just came a bit naturally and then it just sort of went from there, working with all the coaches. And here I am today, I guess, just still bowling it and, um, yeah, enjoy it, I guess. Um, but I think, yeah, Dad had an influence on me. He played, watched, probably took me to games, had it on the TV all the time at home. So he's probably the, the main influence of cricket in general and just keeping me in the game, I guess. In most Indian families, it's not very common for you know parents to support, the, especially a female child, to pursue a sport. So how was it for you? How was your experience? I don't think I ever sort of blinked an eyelid, really. I think just being so sporty, I think mum and dad were very just encouraging to just be active and sort of, because I was enjoying it, they were happy to sort of take me to training, take me to games and just sort of really enjoy the whole experience. And I think from definitely from their point of view, they've made like friends for life, I guess, and really enjoy the social side of it as well. So I think looking back at it, I don't know what I'd be doing if we sort of weren't involved in cricket. And I know recently the chair of Middlesex has come out with some questionable comments, shall we say, about minorities and the lack of representation in sport, where he said, you know, black cricketers tend to turn to football because of the money and Asian cricketers don't pursue a career in cricket because they're more focused on academics. I just kind of wanted to get your opinion as a successful female cricketer playing for Central Sparks and playing for Warwickshire. I think I think with the age I am now, I think when playing county cricket, age group cricket, cricket was always along went alongside with whatever I was doing at the time. So whether I was at university, cricket was you come home at the weekend, you go back to uni, but uni or work was the main focus. Um, so I think at times I just knew I might have to miss training this week because I've got exams or, you know, other priorities for, 
for work but I think we're now at a point where I'm probably still in that same scenario of I'm working full-time and Sparks runs alongside work but the difference is the professionalism the, the standards and expectations and the talent everyone is improving so that that's probably the main difference from then and now but I think I've known nothing different but to cricket for cricket to run alongside whatever I'm doing really so it is exciting I guess with the way the women's game's going but for like I think a lot of the girls within the team as well there's probably about five six girls that we all we're working full-time and cricket is alongside that and we just have to fit it all in really um, so like, do you think with these new tournaments, like the 100 and like a lot more investment into women's cricket, this might change in the future? Potentially. I think each year things are just going to get better and better. And ultimately, it's just getting an opportunity, I guess. And I think for me, just putting myself in the best possible position for if anything arises, you sort of just take it in your stride. But I think I'm a big believer of just sort of trying to stay in the present and just keep working at my skills and just keep trying to improve, really. That's sort of the main focus at the moment and growing up there obviously wasn't a lot of South Asian representation in the women's game the most notable figure is Ishigua how pleasing is it for you now to see more South Asian girls get involved in cricket and for you to sort of be I guess in a way a role model for them I think I don't really think of that as like being a role model but I think I can only speak for my personal experiences but I think coming into new environments and teams like that I've never sort of blinked an eyelid that you might be the only Asian girl within a team like just because everyone's so welcoming and they see you as no one different so I think for me I've never really thought about it but I think with with the media coverage and social media nowadays and the stories that are coming out you sort of just when you do reflect I think I'd sound very fortunate but I think just now it's great that for me if there's any girl with talent or shows potential that there should be opportunities for them regardless of you know your age backgrounds and things like that so I think I've been fortunate as well to sort of be involved with the the SACA so the South Asian uh, Cricket Academy so doing a bit of coaching on there so it's just great to see like the girls having an opportunity and there is talent there so hopefully we can just sort of nurture them and you know put them in the right direction to sort of help them achieve what they'd like to uh, with their cricket whether that's you know going to play county and region or, or just you know stick at it at club level so there's so many different directions you can go go in with cricket so just keeping them in the in the game is sort of the the number one priority I think. We also spoke to uh, Meena Sahur uh, in one of our last podcast and she spoke about like the, the glow in the dark cricket and stuff like that so what has been your most sort of favorite program that has been launched by Warwickshire and just your experience with Saka? I think because obviously Saka is new to, to me now but I think I've to me, just going into some schools, I think when when I was in that phase of sort of finishing university and looking for a full time job, I, I sort of coached for Warwickshire then and sort of just seeing sort of the school competitions that were put on in summers and you have seven or eight girls teams coming and playing sort of pairs cricket or what other games do they play now? Uh, sort of quick cricket, them sort of festivals and they're just sort of really just the enjoyment factor is just great to see. So. I think just them comps really sort of engage kids and sort of, I guess, get out of school as well um, is a big thing. And just just to see them have fun is is massive. And I think that's what's so great about programmes like this, SACA, and also Dream Big, Desi Women, about encouraging more South Asian representation in cricket. Because I do think it is a forgotten entity at times because we look 
at the women's game. We've had Ishigua and Sonia Adedra. And then you look at the men's game, we've had a handful of players, but they don't tend to stick around for long periods of time unless you're Adil Rashid or Moe Nali. So it's really great to have someone like you and Naomi Datani sort of being role models and, you know, playing on the big stage. So we owe a lot to you guys. Uh, yeah, it is true, I guess. Uh, for me, you just never think of it that way. I just think this is what I do day to day, week on week, is I work and play cricket alongside it. But I just think with all the exposure now, you are in the spotlight. You just don't realise it, I think, at the time. Even within coaching, I've noticed that, like, you know, the, the, the percentage of, like, minority people getting qualifications is really low. So what has your experience been getting in your journey of becoming a qualified coach? I think for me, because playing cricket, I think coaching just came a bit more naturally just to sort of have that qualification under my belt and for me to dip in in and out of club sessions, things like soccer, it just gives me more options and learning different skills. So for me, I think as well as like more coaches coming from minority backgrounds, there's also a lot more programmes where coaching education sessions are sort of more female led. So I remember my coaching course I did was a girls only one. So I think all the steps that have been taken are just positive and just so much more inclusive. I think it's one of them things that's always just going to keep getting better and we're going to continue to learn over time. And I think that's the most important thing. Definitely, 100% agree with that. And I love the fact that you are so loyal to Warwickshire and Birmingham and Central Sparks. What is it about Warwickshire that you love so much that you've been there since under-11s? Probably because I've got a bit of a brummy accent for one, but no. I think just being so local to Edgebaston and I think just having that tie, watching games when I was younger there and sort of seeing how even the stadium's developed. But um, I think just I've born born in Birmingham for my whole life, sort of school, education. Um, I think everything's just fitted in so nicely around my routine of everyday life. But I think it's just a great city, like just very diverse, always things to do um, around the city but yeah I don't think I've ever sort of experienced anything what's the word I just think it's a great city really Um, I did go to university in Sheffield and absolutely loved it up there Um, but I think Birmingham's always sort of the number one city for me and the second city um, most people describe it as I can sort of agree with that because I went and studied up in Leeds and I've been to Birmingham I would probably say Birmingham is a little bit better than Leeds just weather people in general not to say off Leeds but but, you know (laughs) but you mentioned earlier that you were you know training for cricket alongside doing your degree how did you manage to balance both because we know it's not always easy and then if you had to get a part-time job because not everyone is financially able to have parents that can support them during university I think how times have changed since then as well so sort of when I was at university sort of training was on a Sunday let's just say so you sort of travel home for the weekend and then you're back in the week and then obviously when it came to the summer uni finishes say in May June and then you've got the rest of the summer so in that sense it wasn't too bad it was just sort of traveling was probably the main thing Um, but I think the difference with it is now is working full-time a lot Uh, we do train obviously more than once a week now to say you're training two or three times a week I think we're fortunate that Sparks the way the the program set up is there's there's opportunities for for everyone regardless whether you're studying at university or you're in a full-time job or obviously if you're on the pro so we're fortunate to have a lot of session options that we can attend so 
it is hard I have to admit where you, you work in a full day you travel to training you might do a gym session then you go into a training session and then you you get home and then you've got to wake up at the same time the next day to go back to work but I think I've known nothing different really and you make it work I think you've just got to sort of just look at your schedule and just be realistic and take it from there really. Um, I also had a question so like um, you work in pharmacovigilance right is that how you pronounce it because I don't even yeah. know how to say it <laughs> yeah so I think drug safety so I um, my degree was in biochemistry and I've sort of gone down that pharmaceuticals route so I don't want to bore you by going into too much detail but it's all about like monitoring side effects of drugs and sort of making sure the the benefit of the drugs that everyone takes on a day-to-day basis potentially always outweigh the risks so obviously completely different to cricket but for me it's just quite stimulates my brain and I sort of enjoy that sort of topic and it's always in the news so it's sort of nice to have cricket is a big switch off from work but equally work is a big switch off from cricket so I think I've just got a good balance in that sense. I think you definitely give the German women's cricket team a run for their money because they're I can't remember what they're nicknamed exactly but they've all got like masters and PhDs and the captain uh, Anna Rada is now a doctor of like cardiovascular something so it's all just like mind-boggling but it is so great that you have a career in pharmacovigilance and as well as a cricketer like those are some high career aspirations to have and for kids to look up to how do you balance cricket and being a drug safety officer in effect I think like you said it just comes down to scheduling and just sort of you have to have a a form of routine so for me I know I train on a a Tuesday and a Thursday and I think the difference with the pandemic as well is working from home and when I have to commute to the office they're two completely different things so driving is tiring but I think just things small things like sleep patterns and sort of actually really enjoying your weekends um, and the time that you do have away from either work and cricket you've got to enjoy that and I guess ultimately you just got to listen to your body with how you're feeling and I think I think I'd say I'm quite accepting in the sense of I know if I'm tired or if you know I need a rest um, I'll, I'll take that sort of option but I think you always go through that phase and say you finish work and you're driving you're like oh I'm a bit tired today like you know, but I think once you start sort of exercise is one of them things you just it gets you the adrenaline and pumping and sort of once you sort of there and about you you see you your best mates ultimately as well like it that that makes the sessions and that sort of gets you through really. Um, I was wondering because even during the hundred, I remember uh, booking for Manchester Regiments. Alex Hartley and Kate would be traveling alongside playing and doing commentary. So even for you, like how do you deal with burnout and all the exhaustion and then still go for training? Like what keeps you motivated? I think you enjoy the game, don't you? That's the whole reason I play is because you you enjoy it. And I think equally as well, it's I think it challenges me in different ways. So if I can just keep improving and, you know, improving my game and just pushing myself, I think that's what keeps me motivated. And ultimately, rewards are then obviously when it comes to the season and hopefully, you know, taking wickets, doing well, contributing to team performances. I think that's the overall aim and I think yeah ultimately it's because you you love the game you enjoy the game and as well the people around around you I think you make friends for life from cricket so I think especially when you've got other people within the team in the same sort of scenario as you as well I think it just makes it a lot easier. I do just want to take a moment just to say this it is so great to see that in 2022 
we're on a podcast where it is all South Asian women. <laughs> I know in 2022 and in the modern age, we shouldn't have to say that. But for me, I, I love it because it just shows representation does matter and every voice deserves to be heard and I'm so grateful that you came on and you were willing to come on and talk to us about your career because I think it will inspire a lot of young girls to aspire to be cricketers because growing up and I don't know if it's the same for Mahika but growing up women's cricket and girls cricket wasn't really a thing I know from my experience we only really played quick cricket and even then it was more tailored towards boys so I think to have the three of us discuss cricket and discuss women's cricket in an in-depth way it's just such a great thing it is isn't it I guess um just the way the game's going more and more people are sort of um enjoying the game um and also I think it's small things just like the people that talk about cricket as well like for me I think if you look at my mom as a prime example like when I was a bit younger she didn't come to cricket that often sort of asked me how games go but now she's sort of you know puts the 100 on in the TV, sort of wants to go to, to cricket games. I did have a bit of a funny experience last season where for one of the 100 games, because I know they started obviously a bit earlier in the working day. Um, Mum and Dad wanted me to drop them off at Edgebaston whilst I sort of work from home. And then I joined them later on. So I think it just shows um, just what coverage and a bit of investment does, whether that's people playing club cricket, just playing socially. So I think it's just a game for all. How did you feel when you know in the hundred the first ever game was a women's game and even and now all the like the female players are getting like a very similar platform to the males like how did that impact you and what do you think this is going to lead to in the future? I actually went to that game at the Oval, so really enjoyed it. But I think I think it's just the game's getting recognition. It's sort of it deserves, and I guess you can't forget the systems and all the players that have played in the past to sort of help get the game to where it is now. So that's, that's been a massive driving factor to sort of get to where we are. And I think it's only going to get better and the, the, the field's only ever going to level out, I think. So I think it's an exciting time for, for any female cricketer, whether you're sort of starting um, at under 11s, let's say, or like people like me, it's um, you want to stay in the game for as long as possible, I think. And for yourself, do you have any aspirations to play in the 100 for the Birmingham Phoenix, perhaps? You never say never, but I think just for me, I think I've mentioned it before, just sort of trying to just stay in the present. And if I can just keep improving my skills, challenging myself, I think I'm putting myself in the best possible position to to any opportunity in the future, I think. So I think it's a great tournament, exciting tournament. It's a tournament that challenges you in a lot of different ways. So uh, if an opportunity came from it, I think any cricketer would sort of jump at it just just, you look at some of the names already that have been announced it's what you can learn from them and from just being around and sort of picking their brains as well would just be an incredible experience for anyone I think and how's it been for like you know your fellow teammates like Izzy Wong she's so young and coming up in such a big platform and even for like Chinese representation that's a really big thing so like speaking to her like could you tell us a bit about how she felt and her experience as well I have to admit, I've not uh, seen her for quite a while, probably since this season. I know she's been away in Australia for the Big Bash and England Day bits. And I guess some of the pros obviously train at different times to us that may come in in an evening. But I think she just takes it in a stride. She's a great character and I think deserves every bit of success that she's had. And there's going to be, you'll see plenty more of her this, this summer at the ball. But I think just a really fearless cricketer and sort of, you know, 
sticks to what she believes in, whether it's with the battle ball, whatever option she, whatever is a plan, she'll sort of stick with that and back it regardless whether it comes off um, or not. So a really good cricketer and a really good player to sort of have in and around the team as well. And for you, especially being a Warwickshire, being a bear, being Birmingham through and through, you must feel a sense of pride to see your Sparks captain, Eve Jones, go off to the WBBL and Izzy as well. So what was your reaction to finding out that they were going to go play in the Big Bash? I think it's just a great experience and I think deserved based on obviously the performances they've had in the the, the regional comps. Um, so I think it's just great to see that they're getting recognised for putting them performances under their belt during the season and, and ultimately... It's only going to make them better cricketers and also broaden, broaden their experiences and sort of bring back knowledge and things back to us. That's always going to make Sparks even better because I think ultimately we've just got to keep on improving just because the standard of everyone else is going up. We've got to find ways to, to match that and be better to hopefully win some silverware this year. Yeah, and you just mentioned there that both Eve and Izzy had really good seasons last year, particularly Eve. I think she was the leading Hey Ho Flint run scorer and the Charlotte Edwards Cup uh, leading run scorer. And she scored a few runs in the WBBL. How disappointed are you for her that, you know, England aren't quite realising the potential that she has? It's a tough one, isn't it? I think it's one of them things you have to focus on what you can control. And I think for Eve, she did everything she could to sort of, score that many runs take wickets as well ultimately but I think for her if she can just consolidate on them performances from last year into this season anything's possible I guess so I think it's just just keep chipping away at it really and hopefully more more good performances whether there's England A games or the 100 or for Sparks will sort of cement a place in that England squad and she gets given an opportunity but but yeah, I think it's controlling what you can control right now. And hopefully that for her, that's just scoring a shed load more of runs this year again. And, and how's it been for you playing with all these overseas players and the KSL and the Rachel Hale Flint trophy? After, I, never, I was never involved in the KSL. For me, it's just been literally county cricket and then straight into regional. But I think in the past, I've been fortunate to play with Anna Lanning was one where she came over and was overseas for Warwickshire. And played club cricket with her. Who else have we had as an overseas? Dee Kimmins, um was obviously a Warwickshire overseas as well. So I think they just bring a bit of experience and sort of just different knowledge to the game. And ultimately, I think they're just they're good people. Uh, so just to be in and around the team, I think it was always great. And hopefully they sort of enjoyed their time at Warwickshire as well. And you just touched there that you didn't play in the KSL but when the regional restructure happened in 2020, um, what was it like to get the phone call to say that you were going to go and play for Central Sparks? I think, I can't really remember actually. Um, I think you sort of, because it was during the pandemic, we sort of knew there was this new structure. Um, and it, I think it feels like we've been playing in it for, for years now, but I just sort of saw it as an opportunity. And I think from my experiences, I guess playing county cricket, like Div 1, was a pretty good standard where the county championship was sort of the, the the gold standard for women's cricket but I think you just knew that it is going to be challenging and you're around good cricketers uh, people that you've played against in the past or you played with 
but I think ultimately it's just just a new challenge and an exciting time for sort of women's cricket I think and yeah looking back I've sort of just really enjoyed the first two years of it and hopefully more years to come I don't really like uh, it's a very long drawn question so uh, as I mentioned previously this stage when I was uh, along with Alex we all worked in the 100 and like my parents who know nothing about women's cricket were tuning on to every single game from India and wanting to watch so do you think you being involved in women's cricket has inspired more of your friends and family to also start following the game as well I'd say so people like people that have never sort of been interested in cricket they always because because they know I play they always ask how your cricket going have you got any games locally to where they live but I think the flip side of it is like at work like when the 100 was on people now play cricket but they were like oh I saw some of the 100 on the tv the other day look it looked really good sort of thing so I think it's like them small little things where you're like oh actually you know people do have an interest and might sometimes actually just think a bit differently about cricket like it's not a bit of a long boring game and um, it can be fun and exciting and sort of just take a bit of an interest to to what they see on the tv 100% agree with that. And you have been known to be nicknamed by your teammates and coaches as Miss Reliable. Where did the nickname come from? <laughs> I'm not sure who's who's uh, written that out there, I have to admit. But I think potentially just might just be performance based. I think just went for a bit of a period where you sort of maybe know what you're going to get with me when it comes to bowling, sort of just... Not all that. I also don't think I think it's just going to write potentially on some the back of some good performances. I think as a leggy as well, it can be it's hard. It is hard, I think, to bowl. But for me, I just sort of enjoy enjoy it and sort of want to keep improving and sort of not not willing to try new things, whether that's in training or in games. But sort of just I think just maybe just having some clear plans and just trying to execute them is sort of maybe where it's come from. Um, and for me, just I just try and keep things quite simple in that sense. Fair enough. And just on that, Miss Reliable, you you evidently were Miss Reliable in your first season in the Hey Ho Flint. You were joint leading wicket taker for Sparks with eight wickets at an economy, very impressive economy rate of 4.59. How did you manage to find that consistency? I think with the, the a big difference I've seen, obviously, with the regional comp is you playing at first class county grounds and, you know, you're playing on better pitches. So for me, I think I transitioned quite well in the sense that actually going at four and over, four and a half and over or under five is actually the norm and sort of actually quite good. So sort of just having that acceptance of sort of, right, getting my sweepers out, um, going at fours is fine, let's just say. And then just being really clear on plans at the time of just to close overs out and try and squeeze a dot in here or there. But just being accepting that sometimes you are going to get hit for runs, but ultimately that's the way the game's going. Teams are naturally, we're going to score 200 plus more often than not now. So I think it's just your mindset has to change with it. So that's what it was for me, I think. Um, this is like a, a, a slight segue, but as a bowler, is there any bats, a, a, a batsman or a batswoman whom you really want to bowl to once in your life, like any dream? I think, I don't think there's like anyone particular. Obviously, you've got all your international stars that you want to facing at some uh, bowling at some point in your life obviously everyone probably dreams of that but I think I just enjoy players that might just come at you a little bit more and sort of you know have that challenge of bat v ball like ultimately they might hit you for six but then two balls later you're getting them out so I think when it comes to training I always enjoy bowling obviously you know top order probably someone like I know Emily Arlott she hits the ball very hard but I think it's always just a good battle so any of the batters that sort of create that challenge is always fun I think. 
You've just mentioned Emily Arlett there, good bowler, took a hat trick. Well, maybe she took four and four. I can't, I think it was four and four. But, you know, we're seeing these up and coming uh, stars at Sparks. Who are some of the players that we should be looking out for this season? I'm going to be a bit biased and obviously say probably fellow leg spinner Hannah Baker. Got so much potential at just the age of 18. Obviously, hopefully she'll have a really good gig at the 100 as well. So I know we do a lot of work together. And someone I think that I reckon goes under the radar quite a bit is fellow spinner Georgia Davis, who's probably just someone that you know what you're going to get with her every single game. Bowling her off spin just puts it on the spot and always takes wickets. But I think equally, like obviously we've had some training with the academy as well. Like There's just so much talent within Obviously, the senior squad and, and the academy, that's probably quite a few names that I could reel off. But um, yeah, a bit, bit biased by just mentioning the two spinners there. And we know that Davina Perrin sort of came into the first team towards the end of the season last year. She's obviously still quite young. How good of a player do you think she could potentially be? She is very good. Um, I think just, oh, I, can't, I think she's 15, 16, I think, off the top of my head. Um but yeah, just just the way she hits the ball in net too, just incredible. And obviously, she does ball a few leggies as well, um, which which uh, is always good to see. But I think obviously being young as well and being exposed to sort of this environment, it's just sort of making sure she just continues down the right path. I think just just to get the support that she needs because and just. Yeah, he's always going in the right direction. I think it's hard. I think when you're young, you sort of, I don't know if you, your mindset's probably different. Like I remember when I was probably 15, you probably just, it's just a new complete environment, I guess. But I think hopefully she enjoys, you know, training with a lot of the senior players and just just remembers that obviously she's young. She's got time on her, on her shoulders and yeah, there's so much opportunity out there, but just stays on the right path and keeps going forward I guess uh, I was wondering if all these like new young players coming in do you feel like a mentor to them and like you have to give them advice especially when they enter this more professional setting you want to be good role models and I think the way that the system we've got at the moment with the integration with the academy I think it's I think it's great for everyone really just sort of speaking about personal experiences or you know it might be something technical where younger players might just prefer to just have a chat with you about something or you know your game so I think maybe just sometimes they might just gain like little snippets of knowledge that I think probably as players we say them but we don't realize at the time that that could be very useful to someone younger but ultimately I think they're I think I always remember as well like we were sort of their age at once to sort of know the feelings and emotions of what they're going through and with it being such a, a new environment with the regional stuff like county age group was sort of just the norm for everyone else so this is obviously just a step up for them but I think I think ultimately they're just in a great place so any bit of advice or sort of you know just someone to talk to to the younger players I'd like to think I'm always sort of just open-minded and sort of would would help if anyone needed it or whether that's just a chat or something else. Um, I think it's really important, I think. And if there was something that you could tell your younger self now, having played the game, played in the regional setup, what would it be? Putting me under the spot here, I'd say learning that mistakes will probably, you'll learn from making more mistakes and it will sort of make you a better person in the long run. 
um, especially if you can accept that at the time if you've you know you've you've got a bit of a technical fault let's just say say you worked on it or it's just going to make you better so not to sort of focus on the mistake you've made or an, an issue you've got but just sort of to accept it and then use it to make you a better player hope I've sort of explained that okay but um, acceptance is a big thing I think of just sort of regardless of what scenario it is you accept it and you can always learn from it to to be better I was wondering is there any advice that your dad gave you while you were sort of like building your career that that, that you could share with us I think obviously sometimes with cricket you can sort of just get so absorbed in it especially if you have a bad game or anything like that but sort of I think he's always just been like yeah you've not bowled well today or whatever it is like just go again next next game like sort of I think he's definitely one person that would never say anything during a game but like maybe after we might just have a chat about like you know if say he's come to watch you know you probably could have done this a little bit better and you sort of reflect on it and then just move forward but I think I think I do, I do trust his um, cricketing brain but 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 yeah I think he's just sort of just not to get too how would you describe it sort of you, not getting too attached to to a game or a performance it's sort of just you accept it and you sort of move on so yeah I don't think ultimately cricket I guess it isn't everything you know there's, there's there is more to life at times so I think that's actually part of the game isn't it? you have the highs and the lows so just yeah each game is a new game, a new day, and you sort of just, you just forget what's happened in the past, really. And how do you deal with those highs and then those lows? Like, what sort of support do you have and what sort of support do Warwickshire and Central Sparks offer you guys? So, obviously, you've got your teammates around and obviously you make really close friends, obviously, within that group as well. But I think with the variety of coaches that are available as well I think it's obviously they're just that just that openness I think just having that sort of environment that's been created that you're comfortable to speak to anyone that you'd like and ultimately you have people your parents family as well that's sort of always there for all you friends but I think yeah it's just the sort of the way it is there's there's so many people out there that you can reach out to if you ever needed to have a chat about anything but I think highs and lows they're, they're part of the game I guess they're, I think you might have more lows than highs, I guess, but ultimately you go through them lows to then potentially have that sort of match winning performance. But just sort of knowing that it's part of the game, I think, is sort of a big part of it. And I was wondering, uh, what has been your most memorable like uh, match or uh, like experience right from the under 11s to now? Is there any one moment that stands out? Potentially the the final game to win the T20. I don't know what it's what, what the competition was called, but the T20 County Cup. I don't know what it was, but I think obviously when we played games, because all the games were played obviously at the same time, so you might have two teams going in Hampshire play, and you've got us playing in Birmingham. And I think knowing that we've heard results sort of went our own way, and we sort of obviously just needed to win that final game and sort of know that there was another match going on at the time. So I think it just when taking that final wicket and then hearing. I think another team may have lost and sort of just realising that, yeah, we've won, we've sort of won some silverware was quite nice. And obviously with it being at Edgebaston Foundation ground at Portland Road on home soil, that was quite nice. And obviously knowing we had all parents of players and friends and family there was just quite special. Um, and then obviously part of the celebrations was that we had like a, I think we did like a lap of honour with the with the cup during one of the men's T20 games at Edgebaston, which I thought was just quite quite nice people giving recognition of a Warwickshire team winning a trophy was was quite special I think and we can't have you on the podcast 
without discussing the fact that you were at the 2020 T20 final World Cup in Australia. God, that's a mouthful. What was it like to experience it? Obviously, it was life before COVID and restrictions and bubbles. So what was that like for you to witness? It's mad to think because that was like two years to the day, really. Like sort of, um, I think things go on my time. Obviously, we were flying out from Birmingham Airport this time two years ago. But I think it was just incredible like you look back at it and just being so fortunate that's probably the last time I used my passport um to to get out of the country but um incredible like to do it sort of with you with your best friend and then obviously we met one of the girls who played for Warwickshire um who's just sort of living out there for a couple of years so nice to see a familiar face but just incredible to see the MCG full for one for a final and then we're very fortunate that we managed to get um some wristbands off another fan in the crowd that wasn't saying staying for the Katy Perry concert so we actually got onto the the, the grounds of the MCGs for that but just great to see so many you know families and other people that potentially may have never, never watched cricket um before just to to fill the ground and I guess for Australia to to get behind that sort of um project to fill the MCG for it to pay off was just incredible and I think that sort of set the the standards for everyone else um I was thinking I was hoping like the Commonwealth Games final they'd get like a an artistic of a perform I think that would be incredible I think but but just a surreal day and sort of ones where you look back at photos you sort of just can't believe that you're sort of there to witness it all just a quick one before we wrap up and do fun questions. Obviously, the Commonwealth Games are in Birmingham. How excited are you for them to be at Edgebaston and for cricket to be introduced into the Commonwealth and for it to be women's cricket? I think it's great. Um, hopefully, it will inspire people in Birmingham just to come down and have, like get into cricket, whether they are obviously big fans like me or you know they're new to the game. Hopefully, they can just sort of sort of come down and sort of support the Commonwealth as a whole but I think just Birmingham it sort of loves cricket you know you've got obviously the stadium look at how many games it hosts during the international summer I know there's a the Sixes cricket bar as well uh, within Birmingham which is always good fun but I think there's so many people involved in cricket within Birmingham I think it's just going to be really fun um, and obviously to have some of the best cricketers in the world playing at Edgebaston hopefully some good atmospheres created um, and that will sort of draw new people into the game and consolidate that, just how good I guess Birmingham is and cricket on a whole and the talent that there is within the women's international game. What a lovely way to round the episode up. So, Anisha, this is something we do with all of our guests. It's just something for a little bit of fun. We like to do fun questions, like 60 seconds. It's never actually 60 seconds, but... It's just something fun that's not cricket. Well, some are cricket related, but just not so focused on cricket, if that makes sense. One we always like to start off with, which is Hannah's favourite, which is what is your favourite sledge, either that you've said or you've heard? I'm definitely not a big sledger. I sort of laugh at everything that everyone else says, but... um... I think playing a bit of men's cricket, when you have a few juniors in the team, I remember someone saying something like, a youngster sort of said, oh, I best put my seatbelt on because this batter can't drive. Um, so I think when it comes to, I think it's always funnier when it comes from someone a bit younger, but 
that one sticks in my mind. But I think, yeah, I'm just, I stay away from this legend. I'll just sort of encourage the bowler, whoever it is. But, but yeah, I do find it quite entertaining. Hannah's other favourite one is what would be your ideal item at a standard village cricket tea? Oh, I do always love any hot items that come out. Um, but I'm actually, I always go for a good slice of pizza, I think, is um, for me. Uh, I do enjoy that. Last book you read? <laughs> uh, the High Performance Podcast, which is obviously also a podcast as well. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, good book. Favourite musician or artist? Ooh. Currently at the moment, I'd say George Ezra. Favourite genre of music? Fairly stab, mixed anything, listen to anything. I think it depends on my mood, probably. Uh, I've got a few places on Spotify that reflect that. But, um, but yeah, a bit of R&B, bit of anything in the charts, all sort of I'm happy with. Fair enough. It's always good to have diverse yeah. <laughs> Favourite wicket you've ever taken? Ooh, these questions are meant to be quick fire. I'm meant to give quick fire answers, aren't I? Um, potentially... I think I've had Heather Knight stumped, but this was after she had got 100, so maybe that. <laughs> to be fair, who doesn't love to get the England captain out? True. <laughs> Mahika, have you got any questions? Um, favourite cuisine. cuisine. Ooh. That is also mood dependent, but ooh, I have to say Indian at the moment, yeah. <laughs> um, the 100 or the IPL? Ooh. The 100, because obviously the integration between the men's and women's, but hopefully the IPL will go in that way as well very soon. Um, Hollywood or Bollywood? Hollywood. <laughs> I'm not, I have to admit, Bollywood, no, not for me, I have to admit. Favourite film? Oh, not a big, not a big film watcher, I have to admit. Oh, The Greatest Showman, though. Do enjoy that when it's on TV. Last TV. TV show you binge watched? Oh God, um, Love Is Blind on Netflix, <laughs> both seasons. <laughs> Don't know if I should have admitted that, but um, yeah, I got through them quite quickly. It's okay. We've had cricketers say worse things, so Love Is Blind isn't even that bad. Someone said Love Island, so there we go. Favorite place you've played that's not Edgebaston or in Birmingham? Ooh. Edgebaston would have been the, the ground. Um, I enjoyed playing. Probably Headingley, that's quite nice. Um, up there, a bit of a carpet, and we've got a, got a win in that first season of the, the comp. <laughs> Favourite holiday destination? Oh, there's a few on the bucket list, but ones I've visited, it has to be Australia back in 2020. And just finally, um, what are your aspirations for and goals for the season ahead? Uh, I guess regardless what team I'm playing in, club cricket, men's cricket, county cricket, Sparks, just hopefully uh, contribute to team performances. Um, but I think ultimately, if I can just keep improving my game, taking sports steps forward, um, is just going to put me in a good place, I think. So, yeah, and hopefully some trophy for Sparks would um, top it off. Um, so, yeah. I think that is a lovely way uh, to wrap up this podcast and um, just quickly Anisha where can our listeners find you on social media if they want to learn more about you and your leggies or about sparks and you know just have a, a general 
sift through your social media? Um, I think my Twitter is Anisha underscore 17 and Instagram is Anisha Patel 17, but obviously the Central Sparks um, handles are obviously used across all social media platforms and the same with Warwickshire as well. Um, hopefully they're really good at sort of promoting sort of the women's game um, on match day. So yeah, I'd recommend them, but maybe not for me. <laughs> maybe not my own profiles and they're a bit boring, I have to admit, but, but yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Anisha, for sparing some time to talk to us about all things cricket, soccer, global cricket, the works. Um, we are so, so grateful and we wish you well for the season ahead. Thanks for having me. Massive thank you to Anisha for coming on and being a guest on the podcast. I really enjoyed this one. Felt like I learned loads, like about Saka, about leg spin bowling, about Warwickshire, about the works really. And I'm hoping that you guys did too. But in all honesty, Anisha was just a breath of fresh air, really insightful. And it's just one of those episodes that makes you sort of stop and think. And to all our listeners, if you want to keep up to date with everything that we're doing, you can follow us on Twitter at WCricketChat, on Instagram at Women's Cricket Chat. And if you want to give us a like on Facebook, we are Women's Cricket Chat. If you'd like to give our personal Twitters a follow, then it's at Hannity1194, at GeorgiaHeath27, at Cassie Coombs98, at Mihika Barshney, and I'm at Alex Jane Perez. This has been Women's Cricket Chat. Tune in next time.